Hey, thanks for tuning into the Beer Muddy Things podcast, your place for education and happenings in the craft food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner, and here I interview folks around the world that are truly daring muddy things in the industry. My goal is to entertain, educate, and inspire. And if I'm doing those things, please, please give a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a comment. This goes a long way in helping others find the show. And, you know, hey, I appreciate it. So with that, let's get into it. <laughs> Glad I did that update. <laughs> Look at that, man. All right, cool. I'll bring us in. Welcome into the Beer Mighty Things podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew. It's what's in your ears as you drink beers. And these are new. If you're making spirits, you need to hear it. If you make meat, it's what you need. All right, enough of that. Uh, today, we're talking to the Strategic Partnerships Director, Joel Frieders of Hope for the Day. Joel, what's going on, man? Living the dream, my friend. Okay. Thanks for having me, Kyle. You're very welcome. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, it's usually, it was nice that I could like schedule on your calendar versus like trying to find time on mine. It worked out well. Yeah, let's let's give a shout out to that Calendly software. I don't know what I would have done over the last eight weeks without that option. Man, nice. scheduling anxiety is real. Sa, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> This So I started using Calendly probably like two or three years ago. And there was some people who there was a hubbub about it. Like you're going to make someone pick time on your calendar. Um, that's pretty like rude or like pompous. So I was like, no, it's just actually like easy. No. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's just easy. I, I don't even know who I was before it existed. Like my friend, uh, Andrew from Craft Beer Professionals, I was telling him how I can't stand how somebody's like, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk? I'm like, sure. Let me know what's good for you. Well, whatever's good. How about two o'clock? That doesn't work for me. <sighs> and, and then so it's the 16 goes, emails. And then it's like, this obviously could have been handled if one of us had a Calendly account. So yeah, I've, I've come to, uh, I admit, I had a very big apprehension with just scheduling things with people because yeah. some, if something came up, there was no mechanism to like apologize and just reschedule. This stupid little free app has completely changed the way that I go about my workday. The only thing you have to remember to do is sometimes when you're busy, not in meetings, because if you only have meetings, when do you do the things that you talked about in the meetings? You do have to set aside time for yourself. So I just, oh, yeah. I, I schedule time with myself and it's called sanity. Um, but I, I have sanity appointments all over my calendar. My friends are like, dude, who's this person named sanity? I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> you got to do it, man. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you just mentioned Andrew. I literally talked to him yesterday. Um, he's the man and, uh, I've been using his, his little article he put out of, you know, three mistakes you're making, um, in a tasting room. Right. So, so basically three questions that your, your staff can ask to boost sales revenue. Um, it's like, do you want beer to go? Uh, and would you like another beer? And like 45% of the folks aren't asking these questions. That's like you're leaving money on the table. Yeah. So Andrew's awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy. Super, super knowledgeable, super connected. Um, great dude. Yeah, agreed. All right, Joel. So uh hope for the day. Um, what is it? So we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Chicago. Uh, and we start the conversation on mental health as a form of proactive suicide prevention. And we do that through a clinically backed mental health education curriculum that we have that is peer led, uh, meaning that you're not going to hear a doctor tell you the, uh, the things that we need to tell you. You're going to hear somebody that in your community, in your industry, somebody who looks like you basically telling you uh, why we've been misled when it comes to mental health, why we, uh, if we don't talk about it, it will continue yeah. and why we are all guilty of kind of putting ourselves in boxes to make life manageable when that is actually the opposite of what putting yourself in a box or someone else in a box does. So we originated in the live music scene, um, being present at concerts and tours and festivals and stuff like that, giving out mental health resources, handing out, um, you know, whether it's stickers or, or wristbands to remind people that it's okay not to be okay. We were where people were being connected with the things that made them them. And since, of course, the live music scene has been put on pause, uh, we had to pivot last year and go predominantly virtual, just like everybody else everywhere. 
Okay. And we found through our, our virtual education that meeting people where they're at is incredibly important, especially during a global pandemic, because we know where people are. They're at home. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're getting out back into the world and events are starting to come back online, um, it's really inspiring to see how people are, are itching to get back around other people because they realize that that's just incredibly important for their own mental health. Absolutely. Um, I, I would say even folks who are always, you know, happy and don't think about suicide. They're even in that. And it happens to me. I'm like, dude, I've been trapped in my little office in my basement. I don't even, I have, thank God my door has like windows on it, but it's just like, I feel trapped. It's, you know, I'll go outside. I'll walk to my mailbox just to get sunlight. Like I know the mail's not there yet, but like just to move around and, you know, when I walk outside, there's nobody out there. There's nobody in my house. I'm like, dude, you know, and, and I'm a social being and, I just, you know, it's, it's been different. Um, and it's, I think this was a great opportunity for the whole world to learn about, you know, um, mental health and and stigmas around it, as well as learn about themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's when you realize that all the distractions that we had available us available to us prior to March 13th, 2020, and the fact that the silence that just started growing after all those things were put on pause or canceled outright you got a lot more time with your own brain. And I know for at least myself, sometimes being by myself and only listening to the noise in my head is not a comfortable place to be. And I I yearn for those distractions, like social interactions with people you only see at the bottle shop or going to a new brewery. Or for me, like I'm a live music junkie. I don't know how I'm going to feel with a crowd of a couple thousand, but I miss being deaf and not being able to speak for a couple of days because I was too close to the speaker and I screamed too fucking much. Yeah. Like I miss all of those things, Yeah, but it, it's, it's weird how it took that full global pause to make a whole lot of us realize that, you know what, we're a lot more important than we give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. So maybe that pause was intentional and maybe the universe is like, yo, y'all ain't paying attention to what the fuck is important. Maybe that's what it was you know, set out to do. I just don't believe that, you know, losing a half million or more people is, is an appropriate way to pause the planet. Right. Um, but I hope we learn from it, man. I really fucking hope we learn something from it. Dude, I hear you on that. Yeah. My, my wife and I, we, you know, we got into, you know, uh, mindfulness and things like that over the last few years, but you know, literally when the pandemic hit, she's like, I think it was the universe telling us like, we just need to chill out, like yeah. slow down, you know, even just like the sky looked happier, the the rivers looked happier, you know? Um, the earth is healing but then you yeah. see like a mask blow by you're like Son of a bitch. we <laughs> are the pandemic <laughs> it's like yeah litter's down oh wait no it's not there's masks all over no it's room. not now it's masks and gloves and ppe as opposed to cigarette butts and bottle bottles and cans and stuff yeah it's it's definitely a weird planet that we live on but like i i, I still consider the fact that everything as challenging as it might be can be considered an opportunity. And I've gone through a few different, you know, rather large changes over the last year. Like I was an elected official for eight years and I just ended my second term on May 11th and I'm having a hard time coming home and just being present at home. Yeah. Uh, So much so that I was like, yo, I got to start counseling again. I am just like, I am wound way too fucking tight. Like why am the way, why, why am I the way that I am? Hmm. And being okay with not being okay. I mean, it's on like, it's on the the labels behind me. It's on my wristband. It's like, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're all works in progress. We all got shit that we're uncomfortable with in our own lives, whether it's, you know, inside of our brains or, you know, with our health or anywhere being okay with not being perfect, I think is an adage that we should have been kind of, that should have been beaten into us because the opposite is true for me because like I grew up Catholic Yep. Um, so I consider myself a recovering Catholic, <laughs> meaning that I, I wasn't told the things that I'm trying to unlearn. They were just somehow like through osmosis or whatever the hell happened. I just learned to assume that if I was, quote unquote, taking a day off, um, there's still work to be done. Um, I, I have a hard time. Like the only time that I actually slept, um, you know, at like major points of my life when I can remember myself actually sleeping was my appendix almost burst in on Easter in 2009. I had to sleep some of that off. Uh, I had a foot surgery in 2018 with a golf ball size hole in the bottom of my foot. Yep. Had to get some sleep. Um, like the only times that I ever rested is when I couldn't physically go do work. Mm. And it's like this, this year in January, I actually had COVID and I kept working from my, of course, from my couch, from my, my laptop, but I kept working 
And then I remember being on a Zoom call and like coming to like, dude, you fell asleep mid-sentence. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I should probably take a break. I'm doing, I'm doing more things to get me to stop working after five o'clock. Like my phone notifications yeah. now stop at 545. Um, I do not like, a, uh, this last weekend was the first weekend in my life, my adult life that I did not open my email app once on my phone, uh, which I think is a huge step forward. Congratulations. But absolutely. I, thank you. On Monday, like I, I had my counseling session in my car with my, with my, uh, my virtual, uh, not virtual, he's a real guy, but I got on my call with my dude, Willie. And I told him like what I'm working on and it's cool to have somebody reinforce what you think is important by saying you deserve to not be fucking miserable all the time. Sit down because if your batteries are empty and you're still trying to grind it, whatever you're grinding on is going to be half-assed. And why do why do one thing or a bunch of things half-assed when you can slow the fuck down and do it whole-ass and kick a hell of a lot more ass while you're doing it? So it's like, I don't know why that was never beaten into my my brain when I was young. And, and that's kind of like the basis of why Hope of the Day exists. Smashing stigma or making people realize that just because you're a white privileged male, heterosexual, cisgender, like my wife, Julie, is the most gorgeous woman on the freaking planet. Like, I, I don't say that as like a, a way to be cute. I'm serious. Like, I, like, if I think about who I wanted to marry when I was in high school, I fucking married her in 2002. Nice. So like, I know that I'm privileged, but I also know that I never give myself enough credit to rest. I know that the feeling in my, like, I, I hold my, uh, my, my stress on the front of my legs uh, from my, like my knees down and then my xiphoid process. So when I feel on my chest, I can physically tell when I'm stressed out. So I'm trying to make sure that I never have that ball. Or if I do have it, I acknowledge it. I work on it and I get the fuck rid of it. And that's what hope for the day does is try to make people realize that you don't have to play or play the part in a script that somebody else wrote. You can only really play your own, your own role. And acknowledging stigmas doesn't mean that you're still not going to be impacted by them, but it means that maybe you're just going to be a better person for the people around you. Yeah. And when you're able to explain what the fuck a stigma is, like a simple one, boys don't cry. Bro, I cry all the fucking time. Um, I got to introduce a friend of mine. He had never listened to the song Mother from Pink Floyd before. And I was like, you're kidding. Holy <laughs> shit. Sit down. Sit down. Give me your phone. Like, I'm going to sit on your phone so nobody can distract you. Just listen to this. And when the guitar solo comes in, it, like I literally feel like I'm falling off the cliff, but in a good way. When that guitar solo comes in, I was like, I'm waiting for him to feel it. And he's like, oh my God. I'm like, yes. And I'm fucking bawling. Dude, crying is good for you. If you don't eat or sleep or piss or shit, you're going to be miserable. Crying is the fifth freaking, like, it's the, it's the fifth power when it comes to your bodily functions. That's Dude, how you rinse it. this shit out, man. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't think we were going to go into the shit conversation, but bro, Kyle, you brought it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's deep. So, you know, I will... I will say, so today is my daughter's ninth birthday and Happy on the way to school. To yeah. Thank you. So on the way to school every morning, we listen to on Sirius radio, there's uh, the kids place live, right? Channel 78. And there's uh, Mindy, the absolute Mindy show. So every morning she goes through birthday wishes and she goes through, you know, if it's your birthday today, there's three things that you have to do by the end of the day, or I think it's in, or within the next month or something like that, but she gives you a challenge. So I had call, so I leave three emails and two voicemails to the radio station. No one ever replied to like whether or not they got my message, but today I'm like, I hope they do it. So she was one of the last ones, which are like, happy birthday to Annie in Pennsylvania. And she looks at me and she goes, dad, did you call that in? And I was like, I did. And like, we almost both like, you know, I was crying. Like, I'm kind of crying now. Like, it was just a cool I'm moment. I'm crying she was now, like, dude. That's fucking she's dope. Like, she's like, dude, this was like, thank you. Like, that was awesome. I was like, have a great day. Like, you know, and I dropped her off at school. Like, that was cool. So. Dude, high fucking five, man. Yeah, that gesture is the shit. Super yeah. props, man. Yeah. See, you don't got to fucking buy them expensive vacations all the time. No. Sometimes it's just knowing what they're into. Like, I'm trying to find a way. So I got two, I got three kids, 13, 11, and 11. Okay. And I'm, and both of, both of my boys, I got a matching set of twins, boy, girl. And then I got an older son. Both of my boys are really into gaming, but they're not into the same game. Okay. But I'm trying to find a way to, how do I drop an Easter egg in like a, a Valorant match to tell my kid that I love him without nice. making him feel corny? Yeah. How do I get uh, into my younger son, Mason? How do I get into his, um, what's the apex legends game? How do I just show him go, Hey buddy, your daddy loves you. And just to do it in a way where he's not like, come on, dad, you're embarrassing yeah. me in front yeah. of my gamer friend. I know that's impossible right now, but see, that's like, that's the type of shit where you're like, yeah. 
I don't want to distract you from what you do, but I want to show you that I acknowledge that you enjoy something that I have no idea what the fuck this shit is. Yeah. But I love you. And I'm I I want to just kind of surprise you by saying, ah, love you, and then get yeah. the hell out and keep doing your shit. Dude, super props, Kyle. That's fucking cool, Thanks. man. I, Thank you. Like I was so happy. from dad to dad, nice yeah. work, bro. <laughs> hell yeah, cheers. Uh yeah. So that almost comes back to like just the mental health thing, right? Some, some people don't yeah. know they're loved or, or don't think they are, yeah. they are right. And can we send yeah. more almost like subliminal messages or, you know, reminders? Like I get in a funk, I'm in a sales job and I get in a funk and I literally, I called my mentor and he was like, dude, you're enough. You are enough. And, yeah. uh, I have another mentor that I'm, I'm working on, um, through Penn university. I have an executive coach, right? He coaches CEOs and stuff. Uh, so I linked up with him and he's like, what does this mean? You know, you, you are enough. I was like, well, cause I had to fill out some documents. I was like, you know, I get in funks, you know, especially trapped in my basement and like, you know, I'm healthy. Everything is good around me. My kids are healthy. Like the bills are paid. Like there's just, sometimes you just don't feel like you're enough. And, you know, just to like yeah. be reminded that you are is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Think about all the people that like, like myself included, and I'm not making this about me again, but I'm saying yeah. all the people that, have a hard time sleeping because of all the stuff they got to do today. And then when they get through the day, they realize that they can't get all the stuff that they wanted to get done today done. But in addition to all that stuff that they had to do, new shit gets piled on top. Right. So then they go home at five o'clock and rather than being engaged in the life around them that they've made in their home, they assume that worrying about the shit that they didn't finish. And then the new shit that they have to continue to do didn't get done. So they have a shitty time at home, worried about getting back to work. They have a shitty night's sleep. They don't get any sleep. They wake up earlier than they should have. They maybe skip out on the breakfast or skip out on the workout. And they go to work to tackle that laundry list again. And it never gets fucking done. And I am completely 100% guilty of assuming that that is a demonstration of how shitty of a productive person I am. As if me not being able to accomplish something that five people can't do in a day. If I can't do that over the course of a week am I less than? And that's the type of shit where like, when you talk to anybody in any industry, I'm not alone in, in doing that to myself, yeah. but I think I am alone in saying publicly, I need to be better to Joel so that I can be better to Julie, Dylan, Leah, and Mason, which is my wife and my three kids. And then in addition to that, if I'm not good enough for them, I'm going to hold animosity towards everything else in my life. And this shit snowballs. And it's like, yeah. if I would have, if somebody would have told me when I was like, 10 or 11 years old to be able to identify what a feeling is, what an emotion is, and that they're yeah. temporary, but they hold power inside of your physical self. Maybe I would have a different relationship with Joel <laughs> because yeah. God damn, like, like there, I got involved in hope for the day after the loss of my friend, Mike to suicide in 2017. And he was uh, my fourth friend, but I had never actually talked about anything. I'm like, yeah, that, that sucks. And I'd be miserable and it would impact how I treated people. And I was just, you know, I was a dick. And, but this time, because I was in public as an elected official, I knew that I couldn't do what I wanted to do, which was just lash out at everybody. It's everybody's fault that I'm miserable, but I don't want to talk about it because I'm a dude and I'm fine. Right. And I, I got to a point, have you seen the movie Coco? Yeah. Okay. So I went and yeah, saw the movie Yeah, that's a Coco. fantastic movie. Jan yeah. January 2nd, 2018. I'm sitting there watching the movie Coco with my kids and I'm going, <sighs> I got to go talk to somebody. And I get, I get home and I call my wife. I'm like, I got to go talk to somebody. And she's like, congratulations for fucking realizing you've been an asshole for far too long. Mm. And I'm going, why didn't you say something? She's like, I have been saying something. Mm. You just like, it, it only hits when you yourself are impacted with it. I'm like, fuck, I am a privileged white asshole for not realizing that something is blatant without having to realize it myself. Why can't I be told, dude, the stove is hot? Or when you go to a restaurant, sir, don't touch the plate, it's hot. And then you go, eh, and touch it like an asshole. Like I was doing that with my own mental health. And I'm like, fuck, I gotta go talk to somebody. Yeah. And I remember sitting through like the first nine weeks of counseling. And it's, you know, it's an hour a week with a complete stranger, but she's basically paid to let me just get things off my chest. Yeah. And it got to the point where she's like, nobody ever just stopped and told you that it's okay to fucking like be miserable. I'm like, no. Like the first person that ever, ever basically said that did not say to me, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or quit your crying or quit your bitching. The first person that ever didn't do that to me was my old mayor, Gary Galinsky. The guy's like, Hey, this is after my, my buddy, Mike completed suicide. He's like, yo, he did not say, yo, that's what I say. But he's like, I don't know how to help. Um, but I'm not going to tell you how to feel. So I'll just wait. Mm. And he just sat there and I was like, 
I've never had someone let me be miserable because this is something that I think we fucking lack as a race. And when I say race, I mean fucking humanity. We don't let someone experience what they are experiencing without fucking assuming that our opinion on what they are doing or our own reaction to what they are experiencing is more important than what they are fucking experiencing. Mm. We assume that there has to be a competition between what somebody is doing and what you would have done had you been in the same situation. But here's the fucking kicker. You don't know the backstory. Like you don't know the prologue fucking movie. You've only seen 10, 15 seconds of my existence and you're assuming that you can do something with the shit that I'm holding. You assume that you could do it better. So first off, fuck everybody. We are assholes to everybody. But if we don't start realizing that in ourselves, there's no reason that you should assume that you are anything more than enough. Because how the fuck did you get this far already? That ain't fucking luck. So I, I think there's like a, a large shift um, that's been brewing for a while, but a large shift that has to do with we don't have to perpetuate old stereotypes and stigma simply because that's the way they've always fucking been. Challenge the rage against the motherfucking machine, please. Absolutely. But then also we 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 owe it to ourselves to simply be happy. And being happy doesn't mean being wealthy or getting another promotion. Being happy just means not miserable. Like, like it, it's not overly complicated, but, but how do you give somebody permission to be miserable? Like that's difficult. But when somebody comes up to you and is saying, man, I lost my job. Instead of saying, oh, why don't you go look on uh, Indeed and get yourself a new job? Instead of fucking responding like that. But if you say, oh, that sucks. And then shut the fuck up because they didn't ask you to fix their shit. When somebody tells you I got baggage, they're not saying here, hold my baggage. Just saying, yo, I got baggage. Yeah. All you have, um, all you have to do is validate it and move on. Dude, guilty. All right. So right? Just, just straight up guilty. I have, uh, have you ever seen there's on YouTube and I, you know, I encourage everybody to go out and look at it. Just type in nail in the head. You ever see that? Is it, I think it was a mm -hmm. commercial and there was a female sitting on the, couch and her husband or whatever is next to her and she's got this giant nail in her head and her head is bleeding it's sticking out of her head and she's like she's sitting there talking to him she's like i have this headache and it hurts so bad and i can't i can't shake it and and he's just going well why don't you just pull the nail out of your head and she's like shut up she's like i just it hurts so bad and i don't know what to do and he's like we'll just pull the nail out of your head and the thing is like he wants to fix it she just yeah. wants him to listen yeah. And that's, that's, that's it. That's rule number one of marriage too. Like I remember like my wife is in the corporate world and she isn't just good at her job. Like if she wanted, she could just rule the fucking world, but she likes to be able to, you know, take care of the kids. And like, honestly, I, I, I don't know what the fuck I would do without her, but like I agree. she is so good at her job that I remember like first few years of, of being married, she would share with me something and I'd be like, you should, or I would have. And she's like, I didn't ask you to fix this shit, motherfucker. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Not only are you gorgeous and brilliant and, and, and strong-willed and confident, you know that I'm defaulting to a relatively toxic masculine trait of, yep. oh, you're telling me something. You probably want me to fix it. That's bullshit. Yeah. When you, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know? Yeah. Good, good freaking segue, dude. That's like, I needed to hear that one because that's exactly what I deal with all the time. That I don't like, it, you're not going to be perfect all the time. But if you could acknowledge the fact, man, I got to stop giving people recommendations or advice if it's unsolicited. You didn't ask me for that shit. Yep. If you say, hey, Joel, I'm having a problem with this. Do you have any recommendations? Now that shit's different. If you come up to me and say, dude, I got this hole in my sock. It's pissing me off. All I have to say is that sucks. Yeah. Cause then I just validated it. And then if they need something like, Hey, do you have any other sock? Actually? Yeah. Here, take mine. I don't need them. Hmm. That's how you can fix shit. Like it's the uninvited, uh, advice or the uninvited freaking like, why do I need you to tell me how to do something that I'm yeah. currently dealing with? I'm just sharing it with you because it's on my mind, man. Yeah. Like I just think we need to, we need to be freaking relearned in the, uh, in the skills of the old boom back. Like, yo, it's back and forth. It's not always just this one-sided, oh, you're sharing something with me. It's obvious you need, obviously I'm so smart that I, I need to fix it for me. Fuck that. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, there's uh, one of my family members is depressed and this person would be like, you know, it was, you know, we'll have a complaint. And then I'm like, it, you know, I'm cold. Well, I'm like, well then move around or do jumping jacks or put a blanket on. Like, and my wife's going, that person just wants you to go. I'm sorry you feel that way. Like, tell me yeah. more. 
Yeah. Right. Stop trying to fix shit. So I'm I'm completely yeah. guilty with that. You know. Yeah, I got smacked with it a couple of years ago. My I was folding laundry because I am a fucking professional laundry folder. Um, <laughs> I am a man of 2021, and I believe that I should be proud of doing as many household chores as possible, not just to demonstrate to my children that, yo, real men fold laundry, do dishes, yep. cook, and do all that shit, oh, yeah. but also to prove to my daughter that, yo, I'm better that, than you are at folding underwear. I mean, I go half and then half. Look at that. <laughs> not this whole throw it in a ball and throw it in the drawer bullshit. Um, but my, my oldest came into the room, and, he, and he's just like bawling. He's like, Dad, I just got kicked out of my clan. I'm like, what? And I, like, I had that look on my face. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Look. And he's like, my Fortnite clan. And I immediately went, oh. And I just shut up because I knew that my face had, like, I have a relatively intense face. And I apologize for those people that get to see me when I'm, like, crazy looking or the people <laughs> that see me, like, when I'm talking and I'm super agitated or excited. Like, I, I apologize that I don't have resting bitch face. I have, what the fuck is wrong with Joel face? I, I, I accept that. It's just the way that I am. But when he was telling me this, I knew that he was devastated and I could have said one of like the thousands of dad jokes that are in response to, Hey, my video game doesn't work. I could have said, why don't you restart the computer? I could have said, uh, why don't you go outside and play a game of catch? I mean, I could have said all those fucking things just to be a typical dad, yep. but I said, what happened? And he said that basically he plays this game called Fortnite or he used to play this game called Fortnite. And he was in a group of, of players where, they all would put a little clan tag in front of their name and then they would join up in the games whenever they could. And obviously his mm -hmm. kill to death ratio wasn't high enough for their liking. So they legitimately blackballed. Him. So he lost all like 50 of his friends in one split second. And I could have said, well, you should get off the computer anyway, but I did something and it's, I, I tell as many people as I can about this because as parents, same as, as being a spouse, you fall into that rut where you assume that whenever anybody tells you something, they're asking you to fix it. I, I was, I'm still very proud of myself because when he told me this, I went, oh, dude, that sucks. And then I just shut up and I let him cry because there's nothing I can say. Because if I would have poo-pooed that or belittled it, dude, that's his entire social structure. It's a global pandemic. They canceled every fucking sport. School is done on a freaking eight by six screen. If I tell him that that's not important, I have essentially just shut the fucking door on a relationship with my kid. And I can tell you, thankfully, and very proudly that my kid still tells me shit that is going on in his life, probably because I didn't go just restart the computer like an asshole. So it's, it's, it honestly means that all you have to do yeah. to navigate some of these things that you don't know how to navigate is to not assume that you know how to fucking navigate it by saying, oh, that sucks because it sucks. And then you've now validated it and they can keep talking and it's there's a huge amount of power to that. And it's not a selfish power. It's a power that can allow him to be better for the people around him. And then also realize that no matter what the hell goes on, I'm always going to be there and I'm always going to love him. But that's like, that was really freaking hard. Like I was almost like shoving the underwear that I was folding, like shoving it in my mouth. Like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. And I didn't, <laughs> but I only said three words, which was dude, comma, that sucks. That's all I said. And I think that that says something about how simple being supportive to the people around you is. You don't got to know how to fix shit. You got to know how to validate. And validating is simply saying, oh, and then matching whatever. Does that suck? Yes. And say, oh, that sucks. Or what if they tell you something good that you've like, like, oh, hey, I just I, I, I memorized my ABCs. And the dude's like 15 years old. And you're like, shouldn't you have done that 10 years ago? Dude, say, fuck yeah, man, props. And then you've now validated. So it, it doesn't have to be overly complicated how to be good for the people around you. And sometimes it means not saying what you, what you really wanted to say. Just shut the fuck up. And like, if somebody's happy about something, let them be happy about something. And it's, it, it's, it almost feels like the job of punching stigma in the balls that I do is so overly simple, but so difficult to remember every fucking day that maybe that's why i'm involved in that i don't know hmm. so i was having uh a little bit of trouble connecting with my six-year-old probably uh, she was probably five at the time about a year ago and i read a book i was just like what do i do right so i, you know, I read a lot so I, I found a book called i think how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk and it's that same concept where my daughter is so angry um, and, and every, the world is ending. And then, you know, so what it, you know, in that situation, it's like that same, you know, Hey, that sucks. But it's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You feel that way. Can you 
draw me a picture of how you're feeling. And she would get a piece of paper and then draw it. And then all of a sudden she's amazing. She's super happy. Like just wants to get it off her chest. She just wants to show you, you know, and you just, they just want that validation that like, it's okay that you feel that way. Yeah. There's an amazing power to, it's not like just giving somebody a microphone. It's like letting them know that the microphone is going to be there whenever they need it. And the microphone can be like a piece of paper with a crayon or it can be a freaking video game or whatever it's going to be, whatever the method is. Um, there's an incredible amount of empowerment that can legitimately change the world around you. And all you have to do is not do anything, <laughs> which it, it sounds so counterintuitive, but that's how, in my experience, being supportive has, has kind of manifested itself. It's so really simple. Is that, you know, is this our, our cavemen brain where we always just want to fix something? Is it a man thing? Like, what is it? Like why the, the simplest fix or the simplest thing to do with validation like, why aren't we doing that? I think because we don't want to seem like we're either passive or pushovers or we're not in charge. For some, I think it has more to do with ego and sure. with the need to assume that um, concepts have originated within our brains. Um, I'm the first to admit that I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I think that's a good place to be. Absolutely. Because uh, even if I am the smartest person in the room, it ain't my place to assume that I am. So by entering into the room, kind of like respectful. Um, but then also I do know just from experience that sometimes people have a hard time getting started. And I, I, I started, you know, in college, in high school, I started working in the food and beverage industry just as a server. And then as a bar back and as a bartender, mm-hmm. um, then back as a server. And then, you know, I've been involved in craft beer for a number of years, but knowing that the icebreaker is the most important aspect of any transaction. And I'm not talking about a transaction where there's money exchange transaction where I'm meeting somebody for the first time, like you, Kyle, I met you. And within eight minutes, I knew that, yeah, I'm going to be friends with that dude for the rest of my fucking life. Because there's <laughs> a way to introduce yourself to a person that you, you lose all assumptions because you don't know me from fucking a laundry basket. And no. I don't know you from a fucking laundry basket. And that doesn't bother me because I genuinely enjoy meeting new people. But so. also the fact that I didn't come at you with an assumption or an expectation and neither did you. All we were doing is planning on having a conversation. And I learned in the food and beverage industry that the quickest way that you can disarm someone is the easiest way to make sure that they know that they are, they are welcome here. And like uh, I used to work at the Olive Garden um, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And they were instituting all these new changes where we had to bring a wine bottle to the freaking table. Like I used to do the opening shifts. Yeah. Like, a, like lunches instead of dinners and shit. Right. And I remember I, I hated the fact that I had to sell people wine at 1030 in the freaking morning because I was part of the lunch rush. I would get people in and out. People would come to my section because I knew that I gave a shit. I knew what they drank and I could get them in and out. And I could make as much money during a three-hour lunch shift as people would make on a five-hour Friday night, Saturday night shift. Yeah. And I prided myself in that. And when this, this thing came about where I had to start trying to upsell people wine in the AM hours, I'm like, I can't fucking do that. No, you got to do it. All right. Well, I, I, I watched a bunch of stand-up comedy and I realized that the easiest way to calm someone down when they know that you're trying to sell something to them is to make them laugh. And so what I did is we used to have these name badges that would say it was something in Italian, something Olive Garden-y, um, but we would use like this label maker to put our name on it. And, you know, mine always said Joel, whatever. Well, after a while, they would get like filled with fucking, you know, marinara or, or you know, Alfredo <laughs> sauce and shit. So I just had like, like a, a bag of them. And I realized that if I keep using my own name, people are just going to be bored because Joel is a horrible fucking. So <laughs> I'm not shitting on myself, but it's very hard to say Joel Fruiters on the radio because your my tongue is too big for my mouth. So I went through and I, I went to all of my coworkers, all the women, and I said, can I make you a new name badge and take your old one? Because a lot of times they use like puppy paint and all that shit. Yeah. So I had a bag of name badges that weren't my own. And I worked in Aurora, Illinois at the Olive Garden on Route 59. And I had um, one of my coworkers was Tanisha, Crystal. Um, there was one girl named Pleasure. So I had all these name tags and I would go, go hello, good morning, welcome to the Olive Garden. My name is Crystal. You guys want to drink the wine? And then people would be like, what? I'm like, sorry, I forgot my name tag in my car this morning. I didn't have time to go back out and lost And I would immediately disarm them because they're going, dude, you're not Crystal. I'm like, I'm crystal to you. I'm crystal <laughs> today. It was, like the, it was the first way of disarming somebody so that they would know, dude, I know you're not going to drink wine at 10 30 in the morning, but just 
have your freaking pasta and your soup and salad and get the fuck out. I, I get it. You have other things to do. I'm not here to upsell you. Yeah. And that, that type of exchange has kind of carried on because I know that I can go into a situation where everybody is uncomfortable. Like with why, why are we in a room together? I don't like this. Like seminars used to be the thing that I used to fucking hate. Like, Oh God, here we go. Well, I now conduct them yeah. and I try to make people comfortable by either belittling, like making it, you know, poking self, poking fun at myself. Yeah. Or by an, an exercise that basically says, if you were <laughs> to work at the Olive Garden and you couldn't use your own name, who would you introduce yourself as? And sometimes you'd be surprised. There's a whole lot of guys out there that would pick the name Savannah, which I find fascinating. So it's like, <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be completely ridiculous. But did you accomplish what you needed to do by disarming the person so that at least they're <sighs> comfortable with wherever the hell they are? I think that's something that we've kind of lost sight of because there's always this expectation when it comes to a, a, a transaction like I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I, I think the education with hope for the day is incredibly poignant because no matter which educator is providing the education, we're all basically saying the same 15 or 16 things, but it's the personal connection to the topic that breaks that ice and gets that, that message into people. So that's why I get so freaking fired up when we're talking about it because there's so many different ways to apply the same logic to every part of your uh, of your life. And yes, whether it's caveman or masculinity or ego, all we have to do is keep talking and these things will eventually figure themselves out. It's mm -hmm. just sometimes it's difficult to keep talking. Hmm. Yeah. Self-deprecation is funny and laughter is the first sign of acceptance. You know? Amen. Um, yeah. So, so we're talking about talking, right? Start starting that conversation. Um, you mentioned the term suicide completion and I never really thought of it because suicide is attempted, but not always completed. Um, and, and rates Correct. are at an all time high, right? And 30 year high. Um, yeah. The, the word completion is something that the first time I ever talked to anybody from hope for the day, um, after I had told the guy my story, he goes, you ever notice what you're, what you say? I was like, what? Did you ever notice what you say when you say complete or uh, commit suicide? I was like, what? He's like, did your buddy Mike, was he a criminal? And I was like, mm. he might've sold dime bags in high school, but I don't <laughs> think he was a criminal. Why? He's like, well, the word commit is usually attached to what? A crime. I'm like, all right. Did your boy, did he commit a crime by uh, attempting suicide and unfortunately being successful in completing that suicide? And I was like, oh, fuck. No. Like, all right. Mm -hmm. Well, let's state the facts. Did he attempt suicide? Yes. Was he successful? Yes. So what did he do? He completed suicide. He died by suicide. It changed everything for me because I realized that not only are words powerful, but when I say complete, dude, Kyle, you fucking listen to me. You heard that I said complete like nine fucking times. Completing suicide is what someone does. They die by suicide. They didn't commit a fucking crime. And the reason that we use the word commit is that we're like that Judeo-Christian shit is baked into us. Like for me, growing up Catholic, and going to Catholic school from second grade to fucking high school, mm -hmm. commit suicide means that you committed a crime against the maker. And that, that's the, the, the largest sin that you, can, that you can do is to commit suicide. Well, I beg to fucking differ. I don't know what my friend Mike was going through. I don't know what my friend Fossil was going through. I don't know what my drum teacher uh, Richie was going through. And I don't know what my friend Howie was going through when they decided that was their only fucking alternative. So why have this entire time, why have I been painting them as a criminal? So changing my perspective and changing my words has completely reframed how I think about those friends, man. It still hurts, dude. It still fucking hurts. Yeah, man. My friends did not commit a fucking crime. They, com they completed an act that they attempted. Unfortunately, they were successful and they completed that suicide. That one little word will change the fucking conversation forever. And I encourage you to keep using that. And I think that... Um... So that, you know, a lot of this comes back to, again, having those conversations, but it's education, right? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, and you don't, a exactly. lot of times, I wouldn't have learned that if we didn't talk about it. Right. Right. So yeah. it's kind or, of getting or if uncomfortable. there was no intention, there was no intention to the conversation other than getting to know somebody that's in your, in your community. You're in mm -hmm. my craft, your community, dude. I've never met you before. You're yeah. in my community. Why yeah. wouldn't I want to fucking talk to you? Yeah. And like, that's how we learn shit that we weren't planning on. There was no intention. I don't have a fucking script in front of me. I got a half empty bottle of iced tea and that's pretty much it, man. Oh, I do have a bag of apples and oranges. Nice. But that's just citrus, how I roll. Man. Good. All the plants. So, yeah, so we mm -hmm. are, I am, uh, I'm training right now. Actually, today will be day one of 30 of no alcohol. Uh, and we are going, 
we're going uh, to do a ruck. And so it's a military march, right? A weighted backpack. And it's, you know, my backpack's 25 mm -hmm. pounds plus my food, plus my water bladder in there. Uh, and we're going 22 miles. And the reason that the 22 miles is significant is because of the 22 veterans a day that uh, successfully complete suicide. So um, Props, you know, we're, we're carrying them on our backs um, and then we're going to end at a pub. And that's, that's my choice is, you know, I want to do this as best I can. And I feel like, you know, in order to do my best, I got to, you know, I'm going to cut out the booze and, you know, be sharp, right? I'm going to, I'm going to put my mm -hmm. best foot forward for it. You know, I've been training, uh, it's been seven weeks and I got four more to go. So you know, awesome. let's, let's do it to the best of our ability. Um, shit, man. That's awesome, dude. Huge props. I, I I know that like when when people do like a hard reset once in a while, <laughs> like I just try not to drink during the week. Um, once in a while, I'm just like, nope. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have something. Um, but I like to I like to think about what I'm gonna drink all week and then like lay out the map and then me and my buddy Marty kind of we split beers. So I'm not drinking ten beers. I only had five. Or if I split it with three people, I didn't have eleven beers. I had you know three and a quarter. Yeah. So it's understanding that I can, I can kind of wiggle the math around as long as I'm not freaking hurting myself or that I consider craft beer to be a valve of mine. Not only am I participating in the community by being an active member and, you know, talking about things, but I, I consume, but yeah. I also know that that consumption can then end up being a problem that I then have to help, you know, have to get help for. So I I'm trying to be conscious of it. I don't drink during the week. So whenever like one of my friends like, Hey, I'm not drinking for a month. I'm going to try to lose weight. Cool. And then it's like, it, it, it shouldn't bother anybody when somebody's not drinking. Like <laughs> I was having these headaches for a while and I thought that it was related to alcohol. So I just stopped for a month. I still had the headaches. It was my eyes. <laughs> so <laughs> like anybody, anybody can make the choice not to drink at any fucking time. And we should be doing nothing but cool. Did you want like a, you want a pop or you want something else? You want an iced tea? Like there's no reason that alcohol consumption should be a prerequisite for a conversation or so just, Oh, well, why'd you, you validated that? You validated that yeah. instead of saying why, well, what's wrong? That yeah. doesn't, nothing have, doesn't have to be wrong. And it also doesn't have to be anybody's fucking business, but my own, like Absolutely. We, we should be like, no, I'm good. And that should be enough. Like when somebody pull, do you got, do you know what Malort is? I do not. Okay. So Malort is a, it's a, um, it's a distilled alcohol that uh, is, something that people in Chicago pour for people who are not from Chicago to drink just to watch their facial reaction. Um, <laughs> it's not pleasant for most people, um, but it's, it, it's become like a running gag where a Chicago handshake is when you walk into a dive bar and say, yo, let me get a Chicago handshake. And they would give you an old style of Paps and a shot of Malort or a shot of whiskey if you're not an asshole. And I've gone places where people are like, anybody want a shot? And I'd be like, nah, I'm good because I know they're going to rack up the Malort. And I, I'm fine with it. I can take it. I know that it tastes like turpentine, but like, yo, I, I'm there. Respecting the fact that some people don't drink is something that we need to be a little bit more in tune with because, yo, sometimes I got a big day tomorrow. Sometimes, like, I've been pre or prepping for the Craft Brewers Conference. Like, I got all this stuff that I got to synthesize and then get into it, like a, a portion of my portion of the seminar. And I don't want to fuck it up. Mm -hmm. So being conscious of, dude, I, you know, I'm not going to drink this week. because I got this big thing coming up in front of a bunch of people that make alcohol. That's my prerogative because it's a priority of mine. Why would anybody shit on me for not drinking? Like I can go to a bar and not drink. Like uh, I went and saw um, Tool last mm -hmm. uh, November in 2019 with my friend Garrett, who owns Pipeworks Brewing in Chicago. Nice. He's like, uh, you, you want something to drink? And I'm like, dude, they got milkshakes. He's like, you're going to have a milkshake at a heavy metal concert. And I'm like, but if they got milkshakes, bro, <laughs> I want to be the guy that has the milkshake. So here's Garrett holding two beers and here's his friend Joel with a milkshake. And you know what these assholes did at the United Center? These motherfuckers gave me a, straw a strawberry milkshake with a paper straw. How is that even possible? You cannot suck ice cream through a straw, period, when it's cold. But then yeah. make it a paper straw. Yeah. I was using it as like this anchor, and by the time I was done, it was like this wet noodle. Like I was like <laughs> I had this 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 circle from both of my eyebrows all the way over, and then the tip of my nose. It was like permanently sticky for like two days because I'm going <laughs> sucking a milkshake at a heavy metal concert. Like, but he, he was like, "All right, cool." Like the milkshake was blatantly more expensive than the the two beers that he bought, right. but it was a good motherfucking milkshake. But you don't have to drink alcohol to be next to somebody who's drinking alcohol, and vice versa. Yeah. So it, it's it's like I'm I'm also I'm friends with a lot of people that are in recovery. They don't mm -hmm. slight me for freaking having a beer at dinner. I also right. don't take them to like, "Hey, we're gonna go on a tour of a distillery." Be respectful. But yo, yeah. like, it's perfectly okay to drink water. Yeah. <laughs> like, why it's, does it matter? 
Yeah. So it's funny. I'm actually wearing my, uh, my hairless dog brewing shirt, right? These guys from uh, Minnesota and I had them on the podcast and you know, they make non-alcoholic beer, right? There's not even a trace of alcohol. It's completely 0.0% alcohol. And their, their uh, tagline is 0.0 regrets. And I said to them, you know, a lot of the times with that question is like, Oh, you don't drink alcohol. What happened? And they're like, I just woke up one day and was like, I don't feel like drinking alcohol anymore. And like, that's okay. It's cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like my friend Tom from Wellbeing Brewing in St. Louis, him and Forehands just did a collaboration for a hazy, a juicy, hazy, non-alcoholic IPA. And he brought in samples a couple days ago. And I remember sitting here going, this is fucking delicious. Like nice. it's fruity, it's melony, it's pineapple-y. And like, why has why doesn't this exist everywhere? And it, it does. It's just it, it's weird because people are like, well, if I'm going to drink a non-alcoholic beer, why don't I just drink water? Yo, somebody crafted this beer. Nobody crafted that water besides your water treatment plant. Man. Yeah, it, and it's fun because there's an art behind it. There's a reason behind it existing. And then I, I love the delivery. Like Hairless Dog is a beautiful fucking name. I'm going to have to reach out and get myself a shirt because that sounds dope. But yeah, I like drink, that a lot. Drinkhairlessdog.com. Um. Yeah, good dudes. Uh, had them on the podcast. The whole story is there. Um, it's really neat. Their process is different because they actually, um, there's, there's never a trace of alcohol. A lot of like athletic brewing will have like 0.5%, you know, they'll, yeah, they'll, yeah. you know, so there's ways to make non-alcoholic, but they actually, it never becomes alcohol. So they never, uh, there's no trace of alcohol. It's That's cool. Crazy. Awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. So they are, uh, you know, daring mighty things, but yeah. So, all right. So, so the four hands and well-being that is a non-alcoholic version though, of right. Things we don't say. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we haven't talked about that over the last 50 minutes. No. So um, let's, yeah, let's hop so into that beer and you know, what are the things we don't say or how the name come about and how did all this happen? Well, things we don't say is actually the, the title or the name of our clinically backed education curriculum. Okay. So it was uh, something where we, I was working with my friend Nicole from Malt Europe Malting Company. Yeah. Um, they're an international malting company uh, with a rather large presence in the United States. Yeah. And even though they're you know incredibly small, like just amazing freaking people. And she listened to myself and my friend Trevor from Old Irving Brewing in Chicago uh, speak during the Iowa Craft Brewers Conference, IBEST, uh, in November. And she hit me up even before we were done with the presentation saying, yo, I want to do something. Um, so we hopped on a call and within like 20 minutes, I was like, holy shit, we're like best friends. And then it was like, all right, what can we do to change the world? And we looked at projects like all together or black is beautiful or resilience. And like, all right, well, let's real quick, let's focus on what were the negative aspects of those projects. And the only real negative aspects of those projects were the, the looseness of where do you send your funds and all, all this other, like, there was just like, mm. like why did some breweries say they were going to participate, but then not give the funds when they said they were going to give the funds? Because if you think about it, a global brewing partnership type project is all well and good until it comes time to actually either pay the piper or say that you're going to donate the money somewhere. So we, we saw that we're like, all right, well, let's make sure that everything is a hundred percent tax. Uh, you know, you can get your tax credits that's on it, whatever. Let's make sure that's number one. Um, thank you. That was where I was missing. Oh, yeah. Let's give people a label template. Let's give them some social media assets that they can they can brand themselves. But then let's go that extra mile and make sure that we help them get the message out about why this beer collaboration is important. And right when we started talking about it, first of all, I'm like, well, I have a lot of friends in the Chicago brewing industry, but you know, this is your baby. So like, who should we start with? And she's like, I already know I'm going to contact Eagle Park when we hang up. And the only thing I knew about Eagle Park was that their all of their like beers were kind of like microphone brewing in Elk Grove Village in Illinois, very music related. Mm. And they have like this cartoony illustrated eagle that has just become one like one of like my favorite freaking uh, like mascots in, in on all of beer. And I was really enamored with their artwork. I'm like, oh shit, hell yeah! I hit them up, see what they say. Within five minutes, she called me back. She's like, oh, they're in. So we're like, all right, well, <laughs> what are our goals here? And our goal was to get twelve breweries. Um, we're now at 198 in eight awesome. different countries. So the goal was to get 12 breweries to talk about mental health, not just in their brewery, not just in their community, but in the craft brewing industry, because there's something that I'm, I know that you're acutely aware of, but a lot of people don't talk about the shit that they're going through yeah. because either a, they don't want to burden people with their shit or B, which is a lot more prevalent is they don't think that they are allowed to have a bad day because they work in alcohol. Oh, you work in Disney world. You can't have a bad fucking day. There's free booze right. everywhere. Having a bad day, have a beer. So there's this baked in 
fear of talking about things, anything uh, that might be perceived as negative or not positive or not. Hey, it's one big frat party. And there's all these underlying issues within the industry that have yet to kind of be explored. And I think we saw that in the last few weeks with uh, with all the stories that were posted on Rat, Mag- Rat Magnet's uh, Instagram, right. where you're like, holy shit, a whole large population in this industry has been dealing with blatant asshole treatment and like degrading bullshit. Like, right. what, what are we going to do about this? Well, the topic of mental health, in my opinion, is the first prerequisite to tackling any societal ill. Because as we talked about before, there's no need to assume that you know what somebody has experienced. The intensity is only held by the person who's actually experiencing those things. Mm -hmm. So if you can get to the point where somebody can tell you something that they have experienced and you don't say, oh, come on, or you don't say something like, well, at least you got a job, or you don't say something like, well, at least you didn't get raped. What the fuck, dude? Mm -hmm. There's a lot we can learn from the conversation about mental health and the experiences that we have in relation to our mental health, like think about all the women that reported or sent in stories to rat magnet. Think about all those people. What if every time that they said any of those things, somebody responded with, Oh, but at least you got a job or, but you didn't get raped. What the fuck? But if somebody tells you something about their mental health and how that stuff impacted their mental health, why would you do anything but fucking believe them? It's like when I have conversations with my friends that are black or people of color and they tell me things, if I said, Oh, come on, when they told me that every time they get pulled over, they're afraid for their life. If I said, oh, come on, yeah. they've got a couple hundred examples of that shit actually happening. So I'm just the one being the asshole. Mm-hmm. So you have to allow people to share with you the things that they are experiencing. Because if you poo-poo that or tell them, oh, come on, those things will now become the things we don't say. And the things we don't say mm-hmm. build on top of one another. They accumulate. They are cumulative. And basically what we're doing is we're shaking this bottle of beer without any way of slowly opening it. And it, eventually it's going to fucking explode. So the things we don't say, title came from our curriculum, but Nicole from Malt Europe contacted Eagle Park and uh, Jackson, Max, and Jake are fucking incredible humans. Like, no, we're in, let's do this. So I was able to get everybody from the brewery, uh, from Eagle Park in Milwaukee and Muskego, Wisconsin, and then Malt Europe Malting Company, and then Hollingberry and Sons Hops. I got everybody from all of those companies together on a Zoom. And I, I went through the education curriculum, curriculum with them. It's actually when I had COVID. I did not fall asleep during that, but I, I got through the entire curriculum. I'm like, yo, so can we go change the world now? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this. So the idea was to not only provide a base recipe that any brewery can like grab and make their own or just kind of go by the book. Because you know that if you got two breweries brewing the same beer, they're going to taste fucking different anyway. Oh, yeah. So we got that little nuance in there. So we provide the recipe. We send out a box of resources, which includes cards and these wristbands that say it's okay not to be okay, and some stickers and some pins to make sure that these breweries have stock, adequate stock for their uh, for their tap houses. But then we also provide the education for all the breweries free of charge. Like, yo, here's a bunch of Zooms. Pick one that works. Hop on the fucking call mm-hmm. and start the conversation. Um, there, it's difficult to pin down one or two people, but it's almost impossible to pin down everybody from 198 breweries across eight countries. Yeah. Um, but I'm working on it. But providing the education, but then also giving people these uh, like these social media assets that they can then kind of customize with their own logo and use their own words to use their platform to advocate not only for their own mental health, but the advocate of their uh, for the mental health of their employees and their community. But more importantly, to start the conversation in the industry, because if we don't talk about the things that suck. They will continue to suck and they will get fucking worse. So this whole thing with sexism and misogyny and fucking sexual assault, yo, talk about it. Because if you don't talk about it, the shit will continue. So this is the start of a conversation that I hope tackles racism and and furthers the conversation on misogyny and sexism and and assault. Because we just just simply be fucking better to ourselves, which will then cause us to be better to the people around us, which will then cause us to be better advocates for those people in our community to just fucking talk about the shit. So with that beer on the side of it, there's a whole laundry list of uh, nationally vetted um, mental health resources. Yeah, you got a can there from Sly Fox. Yeah. So, so just, on yeah. the one side, yeah. it, it's got all those resources, and it also has a phone number for SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse Mental Health mm-hmm. um, Resource Line. So yes, we're talking about mental health with a beer in our hands. And there were a lot of people that were very upset and, and, and like, this is uh, you're catfishing us and just being very, very evil about the fact that we're talking about mental health and craft beer. But those stigmas that I talked about, how, oh, I can't have a bad day because I obviously work at fucking Disney World. All those things prevent people from talking. 
And if we prevent people from talking, the shit builds up, people complete suicide. So if we can give people the means to actually hitting somebody up when they're in the moment of crisis, but then also when it comes to maintenance, like me, I talked about my counselor, there's a QR code on there where you can scan it. It'll take you to the Hope for the Day website where the resource compass is. You put it in your zip code. It will find you all of the vetted social services in your local area. Uh, we partnered with a group called Angie or uh, called uh, Aunt Bertha, which is like the Angie's list of social services. Okay. And like, if I type in the zip code from where I'm sitting right now, it takes me, I get 2,100 results. If I mouse over health and go to mental health, it brings it down to like 345. And then I type in, I'm a 41 year old dude that speaks Spanish and I have no money. That takes away all the things that don't apply to me. So we're trying to get people to not use Google to find a fucking therapist because if they've ever done that, what you're getting is you're getting the person who paid the most money for your click as opposed to the right. resource that's most applicable to your needs. So we're trying to do all that on a can of beer and it works pretty well in the 16 ounce can, but I do admit the 12 ounce can is a little bit tiny when it comes to <laughs> writing, but we're trying to put those resources in people's hands because our goal as an organization, I hope for the day, we got to meet people where they're at, not where we expect them to be. Dude, it's wild. Yeah. This yeah, beer is a collaborative. <laughs> the cool thing, they're delicious. It's, it was delicious. <laughs> I haven't had a bad one. It's no. I, I haven't had a bad one yet. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on the lookout for more. Um, I was able to, you know, I was in uh, Phoenixville the other night, which is uh, in here in Pennsylvania. And there's like seven breweries. And uh, I was able to find, I was like, I found the one. I'm going to go get it. I got a four pack. And I was like, the next day I'm not drinking beer. So I was like, I got to go get this. And it was like 10 at night. I was like, I'm going to yeah. go home and drink this so I can have it. And then, you know, I'll give the other three away. Um, but dude, this is so important. Um, you know, things we don't say dot beer and hftd.org. Um, I think it was on your website. I pulled, it said through outreach, education and action, we can equip people with the right tools to be proactive in their community together. We can break the silence around mental health. And, um, yeah, dude, this, this podcast is all about, it's called beer, mighty things. It's based off the quote, you know, far better it is to dear mighty things to win glorious triumphs and do all these things than those who don't sit on their hands and, and never try anything. So, um, you guys are kicking ass. Um, we mentioned, I think Thanks. even before, maybe it was during the podcast, but just like goosebumps, full body goosebumps. Um, and just talking about this and seeing what you're doing gives me full body goosebumps, man. This is cool. Fuck. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's not meant to be complicated. It's just meant to be, we should be acknowledging not only, and this is something that I haven't even brought up yet, but we should be acknowledging our own mental health, which means identify what your baseline is. How are you traditionally or typically seen in every interaction that you have? Then when you are aware of how you're being seen, people can be invited to notice when you're different than how you typically or traditionally are. So if, if you are inviting people to notice that about you, you should be paying attention to the people around you to notice those small shifts in their behavior. Go, hey, man, you cool? Can I help you with anything? Just something you want to talk about? We should be better advocates. But one of the things that I really wanted to do with this beer is I wanted people in craft beer to become more conversational about their relationship, their personal relationship with alcohol. Mm. why do you drink how often do you drink where do you drink do you think that you drink too much because i know from talking to a thousand freaking people in the last year overconsumption is like the elephant in the freaking room that if we're not going to talk about the guy at the beer festival when they come back who's just always bombed and saying things inappropriately well maybe if he wasn't bombed all the time he wouldn't be a sexist misogynist that's been groping fucking women for decades we need to have the stones and i don't say stones to say oh it's just men or just men we need to have the guts, the stomach to say, hey, man, why don't you chill for a little bit? Here, have three waters and a fucking sandwich, and let's back off for the rest of the day. We had a good run. Let's not, get this thing. Let's not, let's not make this ugly. We should be adult enough to approach our relationship with alcohol in an adult manner, meaning, you know, I got to take a few weeks off. Like, you taking 30 days off to fucking do something as awesome as the rock? Dude, matter, mad fucking props. Thank you. We should be able to be okay with people making that choice for themselves, but in addition, be able to go, Hey bro. And you don't got to call them out and freaking embarrass the dude. Go, Hey bro, go, go, can I get you a sandwich? Like, just take a little bit off, man. You're, you're embarrassing yourself or, yeah. Hey, I'm concerned that you're going to do something that you're going to regret later. Let's, let's put down the fucking, let's put down the, the taster glass. Yeah. We should be advocating for other people because I would sure as fuck hope that somebody would be advocating for me if I was making an ass out of myself. We got to be better to people. And sometimes it means having the hard conversation. So 
that can be difficult. I've done it a few times. I've had it said to me. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not um, too uh, big into my own fucking ego to say that I've never been told that I drank too much. No, I've I've been reminded, and yeah. I have to be conscious of it. And that's something that I have to own. We should be more mature. And this is a way that I'm hoping that people are starting the conversation because the people that were angry about this project saying that we were gaslighting them or you're, you're advocating for uh, talking about depression with a depressant. Yeah, well, where's everybody at? They're at the fucking bar or they're drinking. So why don't you meet them where they are and then put in their hand the ability to make a fucking phone call to talk to somebody about that very depressant? Why do we do that with gambling and right. drinking cigarettes? Right. But we don't do that shit with beer. All it says is don't get pregnant and drive a fucking forklift and then to quote unquote drink responsibly. Fuck that. Talk about your shit, man. I need you to talk about your shit because the craft beer industry has already lost way too many people to suicide. I know that Florida in 2020, I think they lost four before COVID even fucking hit. Colorado mm -hmm. lost a couple, you know, well-known names to suicide. And we don't want to, we don't want to do things in spite. We want to do things in celebration. Well, I want to stop the stigma around talking about mental health and craft beer in celebration that I fucking love this industry, man. These people are my fucking friends. Absolutely. These people are the artists that I look to. Why wouldn't we advocate for the people that we love? Well, I love these motherfuckers and that includes all y'all listening. So if we can do a better job of handling our shit and being adult about it, being mature about it, we can be idiots, you know, in, in person <laughs> around one another when it doesn't hurt somebody, but we need to be able to take stock approach our relationship with alcohol in a way that, and I'm not saying this, Hey, don't, you should quit drinking for some of us. Like my friend, Tom from uh, Wellbeing brewing told me that if he has a sip of alcohol, he turns into tank from old school, <laughs> Frank just the tank. way that it is. And it's not, it's not good for him. It's not good yeah. for his fucking family. It's just not good for him. So he stopped. Hmm. And I was like, but you're still in craft beer. He's like, yeah, I go to every festival and I give somebody a nine o'clock craft beer. Why the hell would you take the alcohol out of beer? He's like, I hear it every freaking day. But yep. they don't know my story until they ask. And when they ask, I tell them. And then they're like, oh, well, that's cool. Because why would you want somebody to do something that's bad for them? You just have to be an adult about it and, and respect the fact that some people's decisions are some people's decisions. As long as it doesn't personally impact you, why the fuck are you going to slap back with a, oh, I would have done this or I should have done this? No, we need to be able to allow people to exist as they are currently existing especially when it comes to our relationship with alcohol in this industry, because there's too many important people on this planet to assume that everybody has heard this type of, of messaging. We want people to be okay starting conversations. We want people to be okay listening to people when they, are, when they have initiated that conversation that you started. So I'm hoping that this does something in that regard. Dude, it's super important. This is awesome. And I, I hope we can continue to you know, keep us in the loop on what's going on. And we'll talk more about this and have more sessions, um, you know, see what's working and, and the changes yeah. that you're making. Um, there was a quote that I had heard in person, probably it was probably 2019, 2018, 2019. Um, you know, I was at a conference and I heard the speaker, you know, he was talking more about, he's actually a football coach and he was talking more about just, just like team, um, and I had, to, you know, I was involved in a leadership group and I gave the speech at the graduation and I had to actually change my, my speech at the end of it because of what this gentleman had said. And the phrase that stuck with me was the mind is like a parachute. It works best when it opens, you know, if we, if we can all approach these situations, open-minded versus closed-minded and trying to fix it and just shut up and listen and validate, you know, I wonder, I wonder how different things could be. Yeah. I'm ready for that world. I like it. Ready for that. I'm right, a friend. How can, uh, how can people get involved? Uh, you can hit me up at joel at hftd.org, or you can visit things we don't say dot beer. Uh, you can sign up, you can see the recipe, you can see all the participating breweries, um, and if you just want to support, you can hit up the at craft beer for mental health, uh, social media accounts on okay. Facebook and Instagram. Um, but then also we have a, we have an updated map where if you go to the things we don't say that beer page and scroll down to the participating breweries, they're all laid out and you just, it, it should focus right where you are in your geographic area and show you who's participated. Then you simply go to that brewery's page, try to find their bright red label and uh, find out where their beers are, are, are available. And I also know that Tavor is doing some packaging. Like I, I spent money on six or five different kinds of things we don't say to be shipped. Um, so, I mean, th there are some that are being awesome. available uh, on some of the uh, craft beer shipping apps. 
Um, but yeah, we're just trying to start the conversation and uh, by any means necessary. And, and we want to meet people where they're at. And I know where I'm at. I'm at my craft beer bottle shop in Yorkville, Illinois, flight bottle shop and tasting room. So okay. it's uh, nice. it's important to me that, that that people understand what this product is, this project is intended to do. Um, and I think we're doing a pretty good job because if we're starting conversations and people are pissed, we still started a conversation. But if we started sure. conversations and people are inspired, we did what we wanted to do. Yeah. Is the red significant? The red is significant. So we worked with a group called Ego Proof, which is my friend Ryan and his wife, Ange. They base a lot of their artwork on, and it's street art, but it's based on like the no parking signs. Mm. Um, and also there's another, I'm not going to name names, but there's another macro beer brand out there that has capitalized on red and white over the years. And there's a, there's a reason why red is triggering for some people. Um, but we, we, we knew that we were going to be up against some pretty, uh, pretty adamant folk. So we, like, I, I try, I've known Ryan almost my entire life. And I, I love the fact that he, he sticks in a lane and this is how he does things. And I think his, his design of the label just knocks it out of the park because it's stark. Um, it, it draws attention. It doesn't tell you what type of beer it is on the front. You do have to turn the can around to kind of figure out what the hell it is. And then when you turn on the other side, well, there's mental health resources. So if nobody's ever seen those freaking phone numbers or websites before, I'm proud of the fact that they are on a can that my, uh, my buddy Ryan, his wife, Ange designed at Ego Proof. And I encourage people to follow Ego Proof. He's also my partner in the, the, the online group called Hop Smash. Uh, we're just a bunch of jerks that talk smack about craft beer in a fun way we're not as awesome as worst beer blog but um we just like having fun and we like supporting the breweries that uh that make this world a lot more fun to uh live inside of well done well said um i got nothing else man that was that was powerful thank you sweet looking forward to doing it again man i uh at some point looking forward to meeting you in person absolutely all right Fuck yeah. joel thank you so much man cheers appreciate you oh yeah talk to you soon later bro all right see ya right that'll do it for today's episode appreciate you tuning in i hope you learned something i hope you really enjoyed it and if so tell a friend leave that five-star rating i mentioned earlier and comment on apple podcasts subscribe on any platform spread it around the world let's make it happen i appreciate y'all cheers and beer mighty things